welcome. My name is Mason, and this is Mace on The Bad Batch, episode 14, which is titled War Mantle. And this episode uh, uses a mission to bring us back into the main thrust of the narrative of this season, uh, as we do get back to what exactly the Empire is doing, how they are making the transition. Uh, we also get the uh, a brief moment with Crosshair towards the end of the episode, uh, and it is an episode that very much sets up uh, the final two episodes for this season. So uh, it's action-packed, it's very exciting, uh, it has a great ending, uh, and it sets up what is going to be a very intense uh, ending to this first season. Uh, before I get into spoilers, uh, I will give some general thoughts on the episode, a couple things that I liked, uh, a couple things that not necessarily I didn't like, but just kind of uh, have have started to uh, annoy me or irritate me a little bit. Uh, I'll just mention those things really quickly, and then I'll get into uh, some spoilers from the episode. But this episode focuses, like I said, on a mission. Uh, Rex contacts the Bad Batch uh, to help rescue um, a clone uh, clone trooper who was an ally of his, uh, CC5576, who's also known as Gregor, uh, and, and he, is, um, he is a clone that we have seen in the Clone Wars uh, and in Rebels. Uh, he is a familiar face, although uh, it took me a second to recall who exactly he was. Uh, he's definitely presented in a way that we should kind of know who he is. Uh, and I believe that he is part of the uh, group of remaining clones uh, that includes Rex uh, in Rebels that help with uh, some of the resistance uh, on Lothal. Um, so we, we do see him again in Rebels later on. Um, so that's, that's who that character is. But they're sent to rescue him, uh, which brings them... Uh, uh, they come across what the... Uh, Empire is doing uh, an installation that they have uh, on a specific planet um, that was not able to be detected by tech. Um, so they're not exactly sure how big the base is or what exactly is going on there until they get into it. Uh, and they discover uh, some of the transition that is happening. Um, and this episode, like I said, is very exciting. There's a lot of action. Um, I think that it, it, it is a welcome uh, a welcome transition back into uh, the main narrative, like I said before. So uh, I definitely enjoyed the episode. I, I like the ending of the episode, which I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but there were just a couple things within the episode that um, ha have become repetitive um, to the point where they're, they're kind of irritating. But one of them I, I can understand um, given what occurs in the episode. Uh, it's kind of justified, but it is still a little bit like uh, why haven't we moved past this yet? And, and that is the fact that Hunter, as usual, uh, doesn't want to go off on another mission. And to be fair, they are in the middle of a job for Sid. If they abandon the job for Sid, they, they don't get paid for the job. They need food. Um, and, you know, as they're going back and forth, there is a great bit uh, with Wrecker who, you know, as Hunter uh, says he doesn't want to do it, and then Omega chips in, and he's like, oh, she has a point. And then Tech chips in, oh, he has a point. And then Echo chips in, oh, he has a point too. <laughs> it's like everyone has valid points, and we all know kind of where they stand about whether or not they want to take this mission or accept this mission. Um, but it's just the fact that Hunter continues to resist 
almost every single uh, mission or rescue or job uh, that, that, that they're being offered. He almost always doesn't want to do it. And it's like, okay, I get it. You know, at, at some point we need to move past this hunter. At some point you need to just say, okay, we're going to help whoever needs help because that's what we do. We are here to help the people who cannot help themselves. We're here to take the jobs that nobody else can take. And I think he just needs to step up and man up and do that. However, um, you know, I think by the end of the episode, we see that he is justified in some of his hesitation. So I'm not saying he doesn't have a point. I'm not saying his excuses are not valid. I'm just saying that we continue to go in this cycle every couple of episodes where it's like, Hunter doesn't want to do it. Hunter doesn't want to do it. Hunter doesn't want to do it. I'm like, okay, we get it. Hunter doesn't want to do it. Um, but if he doesn't want to do it, leave. I don't know. <laughs> like, find a new, find a new job, find a new team. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just become a little bit irritating. Uh, and the other thing that we've come back to in this episode is that Hunter doesn't want Omega to join them when they go in to infiltrate where the Empire is at. And it's like, again, we've gone in this loop where it's like, Hunter doesn't want Omega to join, and she joins anyway, or she stays back, but ends up in the action anyway. And it's like, Omega's like, no, let me be a part of it. And I was like, no, you need to be safe. I'm here to protect you. And it's like, I thought we were kind of past this uh, at this point. But again, I understand that she is still young. Uh, you know, she she is still growing and learning. She's not a fully developed soldier uh, by any means, but, you know, you see, uh, to go back to the episodes that we had with Hera, is like, obviously her dad wants to keep her out of the conflict, but, you know, the people that are doing the jobs are like, yeah, come on, Hera, come along with us. Yeah, go in there, come do it with us. And so it's like, you know, Hera and Omega are similar in age, and I guess they come from different backgrounds, but, you know, they're not necessarily as reluctant to let Hera in on the action, but when we get to the Bad Batch, Hunter is, yeah, continuing to kind of uh, try to protect her uh, when we see over and over again that she is pretty self-sufficient. Obviously, there is a moment where she's been captured before, and we had to deal with that. Um, but I just think that we can move on from this cycle. I think they need to find new dynamics within the team or they need to find different conflict to have amongst the members than this repeated, I don't want to do the job and I don't want Omega to join us. Like I, I'm just getting, yeah, it's, it's just uh, becoming a pattern that they need to break out of, in my opinion. So those are my two things where I'm like, we're doing this again? Okay, fine. Um, but aside from that, I'll go on to the positive that has continued to be positive throughout the series. I love the storytelling of the transition from Republic to Empire, from clone troopers to stormtroopers, and, and Project War Mantle, which is the title of this episode, and which is the, the, that transitional project of starting to get soldiers from consignment rather than cloning, and we dive into this more, and I love that storytelling aspect. I love getting reintroduced to characters that we've met before and using them um, in unique ways to kind of drive the story forward. I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I get that it's a longer season. Uh, I think we're used to like eight episode seasons with The Mandalorian. So when you get a 16 episode season, 
you're going to stretch the storytelling out a bit and you might find yourself caught up in patterns or caught up in cycles of storytelling um, that, you know, we're still driving the story forward. Um, but I think those patterns uh, repeat themselves more frequently in a longer season. And that's why they can start to become a little bit irritating, in my opinion. Whereas with eight episodes, you don't have as much time to repeat yourself. Um, you know, you don't have as much time to, re- to repeat the patterns of conflict uh, like we're seeing within the Bad Batch team. So I guess it's understandable, but uh, they have a story that they're telling over 16 episodes. And as much as we want to get to the action, you know, uh, they need to save some things for the finale. So I understand that, that we are setting up something in the future. So all of that's fine. I really enjoy the War Mantle stuff. Uh, that's in this episode. Um, and of course, once again, the action looks fantastic. The design, the landscapes, everything looks fantastic. We also get, uh, in this episode, we see um, a stormtrooper. seems like some kind of commander or something, but they have uh, in their visor, it's lit up like a, bl- a light blue, which I thought was really cool. I don't remember seeing that specific design before in stormtrooper armor and in their helmets and their visors. So I thought that that was a cool, like new design element to throw in there that I really enjoyed. I think I read somewhere it might be from a video game uh, in the past or something like that. So it might not be new to the Star Wars universe, uh, but I think it is new to uh, these TV shows um, and the movies. As far as I can remember, I don't remember seeing that specific design. So I thought that that was really cool. So there's uh, plenty of stuff to enjoy. Uh, in this episode. I am going to get into spoilers now, so if you haven't seen it, watch it, and then you can come back for the rest of my thoughts. But getting to why I feel, even though it was annoying, Hunter may have been justified in his hesitation and in his decision, which is by the end of this episode, we see the members trying to escape and Hunter ultimately falling back and being held captive. And in this case, it was Hunter, but it could have been any member of their team. It could have been Omega again, um, you know, and I, and you can understand why Hunter is hesitant because they are a small group. They're not an army. They're five people. Um, you know, five people, I think it's five people, maybe six people. Um, you know, they're, they're a small group, um, and they're often going into situations where they are completely outnumbered and they don't know the terrain and they don't know the threats that are ahead of them. So I get the hesitation and obviously it's justified in this episode because Hunter does get held captive, uh, comes face to face with Crosshair again at the end of the episode, setting up that final conflict for the season. Um, So, you know, I get it. And, you know, it's good in this case, it works out that, you know, Omega is back in the ship with Wrecker for the duration of this episode, most of the episode, because they have to fly that ship in for the rescue at the end. So putting those pieces in place, it makes sense why we're using Hunter's resistance and Hunter's protection of Omega to kind of put those pieces in place for the episode and to lead up to the finale. So I get it. I just, we've heard it so much throughout the season. So, and you've heard me talk about it so much that I'm going to stop talking about it because I probably sound about as repetitive as Hunter does uh, at this point in time. So that's the, the, the last I'll say about it is that I can understand why they did it that way within this episode. Um, But other interesting parts throughout the episode, um, as we see that 
Project War Mantle is in effect, and they are getting soldiers from consignment, that leads us to Camino. And what do we do with the Kaminoans? What do we do uh, with Lamassu and Nalase? Um, what, what do we do with them? Uh, because we understand from the Mandalorian that cloning is still happening, and cloning is a part of the Emperor's plan, which we see carried out all the way through into uh, the Rise of Skywalker, however you feel about that. Um, but we know that they continue to use Kaminoan facilities uh, for different plans that the Emperor has. So we know that some of them, or at least their technology, is going to survive this. Um, but the question is, like, how do we wrap up, you know, how do we wrap up the clone army project? Um, so we see something really interesting that we see is we see a younger group of clones um, who are being led by one of their commanders, one of their superiors, and they're kind of warned in advance uh, to escape. And so I wonder if we're going to have a group of um, a, a group of rogue younger clones that are going to be in the action later on, maybe in a season two. I wonder what's going to happen with that group that have been warned. Um, you know, all of the, I think all of the clones are being evacuated from Camino, um, and I, they are kind of shutting down, I think, that facility. Um, but we see, you know, uh, Nala say, uh, as the scientist, um, is still valuable to the Empire, um, but uh, Lama Su, the politician, uh, not so valuable to the Empire. So I think uh, we are seeing the politician uh, come to an end, uh, but we see the science continue. So I think that's really interesting that they're being taken out of power, but they're not being taken completely out of use. Like the Emperor, the emperor um, and the Empire will find a way to put cloning to use in some way to whatever value they can get um, from those skills, from that science, that's going to continue. But they don't need politicians trying to make power moves. So they're going to remove that threat. Uh, so that makes sense. Um, and then what's great in this episode is that the Bad Batch now discover um, that the clones are not the only soldiers being used by the Empire now. They come across um, a stormtrooper who is very obviously not a clone when they remove the helmet and they come to understand that that's what Project War Mantle is. That's what Gregor has been in charge of, is training this new force of consigned soldiers. And he doesn't want to do it. Um, and that's why he tries to escape. Uh, and again, it brings, back, it brings me back to this question about inhibitor chips. I guess they were placed specifically for Order 66. Because it seems that aside from Order 66, a lot of these clones, even though they've been kind of trained to follow orders... Some of them are acting independently and breaking off and making a run for it and taking a stand. Um, so I'm just going to assume that the extent of the inhibitor chip was Order 66 specific to deal with the Jedi. So that's kind of what I'm, how I'm making sense of it in my head because otherwise I don't understand how these good soldiers follow orders groups and people would be able to break free of the influence of the Empire. But I think what we've seen with Crosshair is Crosshair's compliance was specifically manipulated by some sort of machine that he's been placed in. So 
I think that you can't go through the effort of enhancing someone's compliance by one by one uh, putting them through this machine when there's, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of clones. Like that's that's a bit of effort that you're probably not going to go through. Um, so I guess I can understand why some of them are starting to break free because um, you can't, with so many clones and so many commanders, you can't necessarily force compliance um, from them unless there was something else built into their programming that they could activate by a mass order, a la Order 66. But it seems like that was the extent of their programming uh, with the inhibitor chip. So we're seeing people like Gregor, people like Hauser, um, you know, that are breaking free and they're, and they're able to do that. And some soldiers like with Hauser um, have followed suit. So I think that we are going to see some more clone troopers break free and maybe join the rebellion, um, however long they might last. I don't know. It seems like uh, they've been run down to only a few once we get to rebels, but they could be part of, there could be a bit of a clone trooper uprising um, that occurs in the transition of War Mantle. So it'll be interesting to see that over the next however many seasons they do. Uh, I think that that's really interesting. But the important thing is that the Bad Batch discovered it. And so it's kind of, it's becoming more of a known thing. Uh, and now the question is, what are they going to do about it? Uh, how are they going to continue to fight this transition or help free uh, their brothers uh, who are going to be disposed of? So uh, really interesting stuff there. And um, I, I think that kind of wraps up, you know, most of what happens in the episode, what happens on Camino. Uh, we've got Hunter held captive with crosshair. Uh, we've got Omega screaming for them to go go back and get Hunter, uh, but Hunter orders them to leave, which is heartbreaking. Um, but they ultimately the team is going to follow their leader. They're going to follow orders. So uh, good soldiers follow orders. So we see them for now uh, leaving Hunter behind. But we know that I'm guessing um, there's going to be a team up like what we've seen in The Mandalorian. Uh, I'm guessing that the Bad Batch are going to pull in some of their various connections um, in kind of a final stand against the Empire to free Hunter. Is Hunter going to free Crosshair uh, and bring him bring him along bring him back to the Bad Batch? Uh, is someone going to bite the dust? Uh, we don't know, but uh, we'll we'll see how this all wraps up in a couple of episodes. Um, and the last thing from this episode that I thought was interesting is that the Bad Batch are continuing um, in man-to-man combat to use um, the uh, stun instead of kill with their blasters, which I think is really interesting because they don't have any hesitancy shooting a ship out of the sky, which is obviously going to kill some people. But for whatever reason, um, when they're in the Imperial Station, they're using stun instead of kill. And I don't know if that's because, you know, they thought they're still trying to, to not kill their brothers, the clones. Um, but one, even after they discovered um, that they are stormtroopers, not, or they're TK units, not necessarily clone troopers anymore, they continue to use their, to, to stun instead of kill. So I just thought that was really, it continues to be an interesting choice of the Bad Batch that, they're not shooting to kill yet, which is not a problem that we see 
later on uh, in Rebels and, and things like that, like quite often they are shooting to kill. Um, so I just thought, yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to be explained or if it's already been explained, but the fact that they continue to, yeah, stun instead of kill, but have no problem shooting, uh, shooting ships out of the sky. I'm like, well, you know, you, you, you are killing people, you know, when, when you, when, when you defend your ship. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know why there's a, a distinction there. Um, but maybe it clearly kind of delineates them as only killing when they have to. Um, I guess that would make sense that they are reluctant to take a life, um, but they will kill when they have to. Uh, so that would make sense, I guess. But those are all of my thoughts on this episode. Um, if you've seen it, I would love to hear what you thought of it, um, where you think we're going to go, who's going to live, who might die um, in these final couple of episodes. Um, is Lama Su still alive? Uh, we, we see him taken captive, but we don't hear a blaster. So, um, but it, it seems like it's going to be the end for that character. So uh, what do you think? You can let me know. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mason Movies. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're enjoying these reviews, check out the rest of the feed, other stuff that I'm doing. Uh, you can hit the subscribe button and uh, leave a rating and a comment or share it with your friends and family. All of that would be amazing. Uh, but thanks so much for listening to this review of The Bad Batch, episode 14. I hope that wherever you are, you are doing well and taking care of yourself physically and mentally. And I hope that we'll remember to be kind to one another. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>